I hate electronic anything. I mean, if I had my druthers, I'd fly down to San Antonio and do this face to face instead of the Skype garbage. <laughs> Ebook, please. I don't even have a Kindle. You have druthers, though. I don't know what druthers are. I don't either, but you've got them. <laughs> Wait, no, you don't, because if you had your druthers, you would be here right now. Our druthers are plain true. <laughs> what are druthers? I don't know. I'm gonna look this up right now. Alright, let me know. Keep me posted. Um. Oh, let's do it that way. Hello, interweb. Alright. You said it, now keep talking. Oh, no, I, we were talking. That was just part of it. That's, a, oh. that's gonna be our new thing. This is banter? Yes, this is ban. This is what's called banter. I can't always distinguish between banter and you critiquing everything that I do or say. That's so. that's my banter. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you're still with us and haven't already left, I'm Pastor Goodman, and joining me this day... It's Pastor Eli. We are the Uncultured Saints, and um, we are plugging our way through uh, what is known as the Formula of Concord. We are um, almost done, guys. I know it's been a long road, especially those first couple episodes. If, if you've made it this far, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. Um, we're here to talk today about uh, church practices, which is um, sort of one of those things that actually is where the rubber hits the road. A lot of the times when you start to deal with not only um, your church body as a whole, but also how you, well, see your neighbor trying to relate to your church body. Like, have you ever noticed that sort of weird disconnect that you have with the, the vocabulary that you have in church and the way that you talk to people everywhere else? Or, or even just that matter of what would it be like trying to explain everything that you do in church to somebody you invited there? It's hard. It is. I, and I mean, if, if, if the first thing that, that you say is, I have no idea what to say about why we do this stuff, or um, I'm really embarrassed about all this stuff that we're doing, that probably says more about you than it does about the person that you've invited there. Like, honestly, if you invite somebody into church and they, they say, why can't I have communion with you? Buh. If, if, if that's your first answer or just shame and, and well, I guess uh, my church says that Jesus doesn't love you. I don't understand it, but I'm going to lean into that excuse. Or even just if you want to start quoting vocabulary, they're never going to understand. Like, well, the CTCR document from the LCMS would uh, state, you have to stop and recognize, where's the gospel? Where's Jesus? Where's even the law? You've not said anything useful to anybody. You've used sort of code language from your own little tribe that, that never actually helps bring somebody in or, or comfort somebody who's already there. Uh, the stuff that we want to talk about, the church practices uh, this day, should always actually be pointing towards Jesus. Like the, the simplest rule of thumb is, does this point to Christ? If so, it's good. Does this take away from Christ? If so, it's bad. Every single thing you do in church, both the stuff in the Bible explicitly, but also the, the smaller stuff that, that's not actually in there. Yeah, so that's why we've got, when when you walk into uh, an, an LCMS church. What sorry. does this mean? <laughs> Lutheran Church, Missouri City. When you walk into one of our churches, um, you're not walking into a box, right? It's not just a box that could be a gymnasium. It might. Well, it shouldn't just be a box that 
that is gym gymnasium, right? Why? Why shouldn't it? Well, like you said, uh, the the things that we do, uh, the worship space that we hold, all of these uh, church practices, they they are meaningful. They they do something. They represent something. They point to something. They help in our worship. Now they don't take over worship. They can't be. They can't be worship. But they certainly uh, help us uh, in understanding and in conveying uh, the truth of the doctrines that we hold. So if, if your church practices, if everything around you, everything that you see uh, and say and sing, if, if they're not actually pointing to and helping to uh, proclaim the doctrine, uh, then you should probably uh, take a step back and, uh, and question those things. And also, I, I like how you were, you were bringing in that, that uh, closed communion stuff. If you don't know uh, why your church looks why it, like it does, if you don't know why you do the liturgy like you do it, if you don't know all of these things, you might want to actually take some time and sit down with your pastor and figure this stuff out. Because it is important. We, we do things for different reasons. Right. Um, and so... We want to actually be able to convey that both to our members and to the world around us because the churches that, that we have are placed in real communities, real towns full of, of real people. And so the, the object of this isn't to sort of say we're, we're only focused on the people who don't understand anything about us or we're only focused on the people who understand what a CTCR document is. What we're saying is we're here to give Jesus to sinners. And that can in some ways be taken as a lowest common denominator form of worship. Um, like if, if it's gonna if it's gonna frustrate somebody who might come to church we need to get rid of it if, if it's gonna offend somebody who's gonna come to church we, we cannot possibly do it so let's not worry about things like communion or at least closed communion even though Jesus in his word says if you commune wrong it can hurt you um, let's let's rather sort of say let's make this look just like the rest of the world so that people will be tricked into coming in that's that's very dangerous to do that Why? I want to trick people <laughs> well I know That's how I get them to like me, Pastor. <laughs> it's no, it's the old bait and switch, right? Get as yeah. many butts butts in the pews as possible, uh, and then then we'll uh, then we'll shoehorn Jesus in there somehow, and, and then it'll <laughs> work. All right, that's that's the way of the gospel, right? We we trick them into believing. It's it's silly. It's it's uh, not scriptural. It's not the way that uh, Christ went about it. It's not the way that. Uh, the Old Testament uh, tabernacle, temple, all of that stuff went about it. It's not the way that the, the early church and the, and the Church of Acts went about it. Well, what, what about where Paul says he'll be all things to all people? That's a good one. <laughs> no, that's, that's true. Um, and yet all things to all people does not mean that uh, when doctrine comes into play, uh, then you can just throw, throw away the doctrine. He's not saying that. So, for instance, you've got the, the whole situation in, in Corinth, right? I don't know if you wanted to jump this far already, but you've got this whole, this whole situation in Corinth where you've got uh, a, a good portion of the, the, the new Christian congregations coming from pagan religions that are going up to the temple and uh, engaging in all of this false worship and all of, all of this animal sacrifice and sexual idolatry and all of this sort of stuff. And boo. what? That's bad. Don't do okay. that. Okay. Oh, you said boo. I thought you I said, said boo. boo. Okay. Okay. Boo. Yeah, it boo. is bad. So 
you've got all this bad stuff that's going on. But oh. now they're now they're these Christian converts. Yay. Yay. So Paul says, okay, now what about you've got this situation, this real situation. There is made available uh, meat sacri- that has been sacrificed to these idols. Now, some people say you can't eat that. Of course not. You can't eat that meat. It's been sacrificed to the demons. And Paul says, eh, that's stupid. It, it's sacrificed to nothing. We know that it, there's one true God, uh, and that is the God, our God. So this meat that was sacrificed to, to the idols, to the demons, it's nothing. It, it was sacrificed to absolutely nothing. Eat the meat. It's good for you. Maybe it's cheap. All right. And <laughs> en- en- enjoy that meat and have it. That's great. Uh, but but don't don't eat the meat. Yeah. Also, don't eat the meat. Don't don't eat the meat. Go well, ahead. And, you just what you just told me I could. No, you can eat it. Yeah, you're free of the gospel to eat that meat and, and okay. go ahead and do it. Uh, and yet, if eating that meat is going to cause one of your weaker brothers to stumble and sin, i.e., somebody who perhaps has just came out of paganism, like last week and is still struggling with this and and uh, sees you engaging in this and can't and really like, come, oh, come. Oh, I remember this. We we yeah, we we sacrifice this meat so that God would love us and because we've done that this worked and then we have favor with with the divine. I remember this religion. It's just got a god named Jesus now. Cool. So sacrifice meat. Let's let's eat it. And you say, say No, 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 no. No, no, no. no, no, no. That's going that's going to hurt my weaker brother. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, because we're, we're not saved by our works. We're not saved by our sacrifices, but by Christ. And so all of a sudden it matters. And you can even do this with that which was, in fact, literally prescribed. So Paul, who, who was a Jew, was circumcised. Um, here's the command that, that circumcision is, is, is um, given to, to the people of the Old Testament. And then, on one hand, has Timothy circumcised. But on the other hand, prevents who from being circumcised? Titus. Titus. Yeah. Why? How come one, not the other? Well, Titus was a like, Gentile, it's a... and uh, and he was probably going to be preaching to Gentiles, so it, it didn't really uh, do much good for him. Plus, it probably would have been uh, harmful to the proclamation of the gospel if if uh, him going to a bunch of uh, uh, Cretans on uh, on Crete um, that were Gentiles and, and knew nothing of, of the Jewish faith— um, if he was circumcised, they would be like, wait, why, 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 why are you, uh, why are you Jewish? But Timothy, on the other hand, he was, uh, was it his mother? Yeah. Who was Jewish? Yeah. Uh, so uh, it would have been, it could have been detrimental if he was not circumcised. So Because would it would have been a stumbling block to, to all of the Jews that he was going to be preaching to because they would have been like, oh, wait, why aren't you circumcised? You need to get circumcised. So, okay, you know what? Let's remove that stumbling block. It's adiaphora. It doesn't matter one way or the other. That's not what's going to save me. Uh, but as soon as you put the circumcision in there as, no, work. you must do this. The gospel is obscured. The gospel exactly. is perverted. Um, Which is the whole issue in, in uh, uh, the, the book of Galatians. That's the whole issue there. You've got, these, uh, you've got the circumcision party who's been rushing in there saying, uh, yeah, okay, the gospel, but the gospel plus. Don't forget the circumcision. Don't forget the Old Testament laws. Don't forget uh, becoming a Jew and then becoming a Christian, you you Gentiles. All of that stuff is still there. You must do it. And then Paul says, no, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't even get close to circumcision then. Because you, circumcision party, you are once again uh, heaping a law upon these people. You're putting them under the law again. And that is obscuring Christ. 
you're making this so confusing because sometimes it's, it's like I'm allowed to do a thing and sometimes it's like I'm not allowed to do a thing. So help me out with this in sort of a simpler way to approach this. You're, you're free to do most anything. But I think the way that we should look at this is, okay, my freedom uh, should not trump two things. Uh, the weaker brother that it could hurt and, and probably more importantly, uh, it shouldn't obscure the gospel. Right. So because if my... The, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. All right, so because everything that we do confesses something. Everything that we do says something to people around us. Um, and, and so um, I, I can... I can remember that that God gave the sign of the rainbow to Noah first and then wear a t-shirt that, that says we had it first with a big rainbow on it and walk down the street uh, like some clergy might, might be known to do. Um, but at the same time, um, anybody looking at that t-shirt would think what? This is clearly a, a, a pride shirt. This is, this is in support of, of homosexuality. Um, I don't mean it that way at all. And, and certainly Pastor Litau didn't. Um, but at the same time, what you're, you're doing says something. I, don't, I, I don't remember, remember you wearing that shirt. Don't, don't I, lie to me. You're on the internet. We don't lie here. Nobody tells lies on the internet, Pastor. So, um... <laughs> I, I only wore it at the seminary. It was great. Um, <laughs> so, what I'm saying, though, is, is when you walk I into a church and the pastor's wearing robes, that says something, whether you, he wants it to or not. And when you're walking into church and the pastor refuses to wear robes, that says something, whether you want it to or not. I'll give you an example. Um, there was a time when Lutherans would only use white wine for communion, which is kind of shocking. Um, we, we actually, at our Higher Things conferences, used white wine because it is our Lutheran historic practice. But first time you look in the chalice and, and you can see the white wine, you're like, now that's backwards because it doesn't even look like blood, right? Yeah, and white wine's bad. Okay, so please, like, go to the map for me, um, Mr. Sommelier on Mogan David. Um, <laughs> let, let's not, like, take the high road here. We only use the best of the red wines that can be bought in gallon jugs. Um, uh, no, um, we, but we used, <laughs> we used white wine um, because... There was a, a, a group of reform, those who said, this is not Jesus' blood. This is a symbol. Look, and so it read, it looks like blood. You remember the blood. It, 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 it's a, to remind you. And we said, no, stop. You're being stupid. Look, look at what the word of the Lord would teach us. This is my blood. And so we're using white wine on purpose now so that when you look at it, you would say, this looks nothing like it, but it is this because God's word makes it this way. In other words, um, you can do whatever you want until somebody says you have to do something that teaches against the gospel. And then all of a sudden it matters. You, you can wear a, a cassock and a surplice or an alb with a, a stole and a chasuble until somebody tells me that um, you're not actually connecting to the people unless you wear a polo with your church's logo on it. Only then can you preach a sermon that connects to people. And then I say, so what you're saying then is the Holy Spirit isn't actually the one calling, gathering, enlightening, sanctifying, and keeping like your catechism would, would teach. You know what? Maybe we ought to religiously maintain and defend the use of vestments like our confessions say. All of a sudden, it matters. Yeah. Before we, before we run down that road, though, because th this, is the, this is the weird, interesting thing about this article. <clears throat> there's, there's two sides to the coin, which th there usually is in, in right. all of these articles. <clears throat> the, major, the major side for, uh, for the individuals who are actually going through this, and I think we have to touch on this just a little bit, is... They were having people, so they were having Rome, right? The, the, the Lutheran reformers at this time were having Rome uh, pressure them into these things that were supposedly adiaphora, right? Right. 
What's and Audiophora? We that's the first time. Yeah, we've used that's the, the first time we've used it. Uh, Audiophora is things neither uh, uh, demanded or prescribed or uh, forbidden. What's the, the what's the opposite? Of that forbidden. Word? Forbidden, right? By God in His Word. So they are the the things of indifference. So but the not, Bible doesn't tell me I have to. The Bible doesn't tell me I can't. Exactly. So really, that means I should do whatever makes me feel good, right? Uh, no. You should do but, whatever helps proclaim the gospel. Oh, so it's not about me? Well, I did it a little bit, but mostly not. <laughs> no, it's not about you at all. It's not about you, uh, it, it, except for the fact that it's about Christ for you. And so, Ooh. hey, let's, let's do uh, everything that we can in the worship service so that Christ is proclaimed as clearly as possible. Right. So, what if the chanting gets in the way of Christ being proclaimed? What if, if what if the vestments get in the way? What if the closed communion gets in the way of Christ being proclaimed? Because this is the thing that we're actually talking about. Well, I hold on a second because I think you're bringing in things that can can be seen or cannot be seen truly as adiaphora. That's before, before that's I my wanted, point. Yeah. Well, I, but before I wanted to get there, I, I wanted to say. Just to do, get that historical reference point, that historical thing that the, uh, the the reformers are really talking about here. Because, again, Rome is, is bringing in all of this stuff, uh, saying you have to do this in order for uh, it to be efficacious for you. For instance, the uh, you must eat meat on Fridays and Saturdays sort of stuff um, in order for you not to... Eat. Sorry, not eat meat. There you go. Yeah, they weren't telling you to eat meat. They were telling you not to eat meat. Sorry. Um that sort of adiaphora, right? This sort of, uh, you, you must fast before communion. It has to be done. If you don't do it, then you're doing communion wrong. And the reformers were sitting here saying, okay, well, what do we do? Uh, should we, uh, for, for sake of uh, trying to get together in unity, should we, should we just not eat meat, Pastor, Pastor Goodman? Would that be fine? Should I just not eat meat? Just, just so that we can get along? Should that be good? Make, no, it, because you're, you're actually saying this is connected to the proper understanding of the faith. Um, if you were saying like, hey, guys, um, meat, meat kind of makes me have indigestion. Um, I, I'm, I'm trying some new diet that's awful. Um, you know what? Fine. I'll, I'll come over to your house and we'll be vegan for the night. Um, but if you're telling me that I can't be a proper Christian unless I eat a filet fish sandwich on a Friday, I'm going to eat the cheeseburger just to spite you because you're saying that it's connected to the gospel. You're saying that it's connected to Jesus. Um, it, yeah, it's not and so, Jesus so and that. Play a fish. It's just Jesus for you. So, oddly enough, that which was once Adiaphora and which we see as Adiaphora, right? Mm -hmm. Whether or not I eat a hamburger on a Friday, that's Adiaphora. I can do it, I, I can't do it, whatever the case may be. The moment that somebody tries to coerce me into believing that eating that is sinful, uh, it has ceased to be Adiaphora. Right. I, I, I should go and buy a, a, a two of them and eat yeah. them. If you say that it matters, then fine, it matters. But this is also why Lutherans are known to be so stubborn. This is why people get so fed up with, with trying to actually communicate with us, especially if they don't know our vocabulary and all our 
um, initials and acronyms and all this stuff. Oh, yeah. And hold on. That, that's a very good point. I think you touched on that at the, at the beginning point. Mm -hmm. and, but that's reiterated again. We'll probably reiterate it a little bit later on, too. Uh, when we're talking about this sort of stuff, this church practice, this Adiaphora sort of stuff, this is, this is, uh, this is in-game conversation. Right? This is stuff that you, you talk to about your, your Lutheran brethren and, and you discuss about with them. You don't uh, start a new conversation uh, with, uh, with your atheist friend, your agnostic cousin, or goodness, I would probably even say uh, your, your Methodist neighbor uh, about this sort of adiaphora sort of stuff. Because that is not beneficial at all to the proclamation of the gospel. Just go ahead and talk about Jesus and, and start there. Right. And, and in fact, there, there's Adiaphora doesn't count unless you already say that you agree on doctrine and the reception of the sacraments. The, the, we can't even talk about the word Adiaphora, what, what church practices are or aren't, until we're already in agreement. So there's no such thing as Adiaphora with somebody outside the church. There's not even any such thing as Adiaphora with a Methodist. When you want to talk about why it is your pastor wears the robes that he does, you're talking to somebody who's a part of your church and says they believe what you believe. But that's the whole point about the, the concept of church practices. It's really simple. What you believe actually influences what you do, and what you do actually influences what you believe. So, so here's the thing. Um, when I was up in Nebraska, I, I remember um, one of my first introductions to, to the sticks out there was uh, the, the wind that would just blow. It was like 50 mile an hour all day long, and it would gust up to 70 miles an hour sometimes. And I remember um, I was in my, my uh, office plugging away at a sermon and all of a sudden there's the lights flickered and went out and I went outside and I looked and there was a power line on my car and so I call the power company and the very first thing they told me was don't touch it and I'm like yeah you don't have to worry about that that's why I'm calling you I want okay. you to come and get the power line off my car um because the thing is I believe that power lines contain electricity and so that will influence how I practice with them. Um, in the same way that there's a difference between how you hold a squirt gun and an actual gun. There, there's a difference between how you approach uh, um, an altar where you believe there is something that represents Jesus' body and blood versus something that is Jesus' body and blood. If you believe something to be true, it will influence your behavior. And It is, it is kind of silly that, that oftentimes in our own life we we uh, are, are more careful on how we act and, and why we do things uh, with stuff that really doesn't matter whatsoever, with hobbies or, or just completely ridiculous things that have no eternal consequences whatsoever. And, and then when we come into church, uh, eh, whatever. Do, yeah, it. Jesus do whatever. Yeah, do whatever you want. That's my point, though, because I, I learned about the Lord's Supper from communion practices. Like, everybody would say it, it's unloving to let only certain people come to the Lord's Supper. I was one of those people who was told, don't come yet. And I actually learned more about the Supper in my first service right there than I, I did when if somebody would have just said, you know, come up here and, and sort of hang out with us. How, how so? Why, why is that? Well, because I, I watched. And, and what it was, whatever it was, they took it so seriously that they actually said, this is, this is something that, that isn't for you yet. We want to talk more about this before you come up here. But then I watched the backs of the necks of those college kids. Um, whatever it was in, in, in that little cracker thing, um, it was enough to make college kids wake up early and bow. And I didn't know what it was yet, but I wanted to know more. Um, the, the way that they treated it taught me something about it. It did. 
Um, and you see this too. So we, we, so it wasn't it wasn't you didn't see these college kids doing uh, drive by communion. No, I saw them taking it so seriously. And these are people that didn't take very much seriously at all. Whatever this was influenced how they behaved. And, and how they behaved influenced what I believed. There's an old saying um, in, in the church that how you worship is, is how you believe. And how you believe is, is how you worship. It, it, when you believe a thing, it will change your behavior. And when you behave that way around something, it will influence what you and others believe about it. It has to. It's it's <clears throat> that's human nature. If you continually do something over and over again, uh, especially if it's against your belief, but if you continually do that over and over and over again, one day you are going to wake up and find that you've slid down this long, slow, slippery slope, and what you believe is a little bit different than what you believed two years ago. This happens. It, it, it's it's the weird thing about. So, I, I, goodness, we both took new calls uh, to, to new congregations. And if, if we both climbed in the pulpit on our very first Sunday and just spouted complete and utter heresy, um, just... Good thing only one of us did that. I know. You guys, the, the interweb is going to have to figure out which one that was. But... The uh, but if we would have done that, just a completely anti-trinitarian sermon, the first time, uh, we wouldn't have had a second time. Everybody would have recognized that right off the bat. Um, but if if our preaching and our teaching uh, just is is very subtle, slowly kind of drops the drops the frog into the the warm water and then slowly turns up the heat. Two, two years later, you're going to find find the congregation in a completely different spot. Or you may. This, this, it, it's, it's the dangerous stuff. I don't know why it went down that tangent. Maybe it has nothing to do with this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand it back to Pastor Goodman. He's better at this than I am. So uh, of just even uh, of tragedy, um, of kids who, who find a gun in the house and play with it, how much of how they play is influenced by what they see guns are, are used for in their life? Whereas if the kids are, are taught that this thing is, is um, a potent and powerful tool and should only be handled with care, would that carry forward in how they practice with it? Yeah, it, I, it should. I mean, it will. Absolutely. That's, that's... It's the same thing with church. That's all we're saying is, is when you behave like there's something powerful going on here, people might actually come to believe that there's something powerful going on here. And when you come to believe, when you come to practice as if there's nothing going on here that's different from anywhere else in the rest of the world, people might surprise, surprise, come to believe that there's there's nothing here that's different from the rest of the world, and the world is is more fun, so we're we're going there. There's a way that um, higher things ha has always performed worship. Um, when you come to one of our conferences, you, you're going to be kind of, um, if, if it's your first time especially, you might be taken aback by some of the practices that we do because we, we lean into old historical practices. Are they the best practices? I believe so. <laughs> I truly do. Um, because I believe that these things point to Christ and him crucified. Um, I believe that these things also need teaching to go along with them, but that's the point of the conference. That, that all of that we're doing that whole week when you come to conference, the worship isn't in its own little bubble cut off from the teaching. The teaching isn't in its own little bubble cut off from the worship, but these things start to connect so that when you see why it is these pastors chant and sing, well, it's because we're actually trying to point out that something truly unique is happening here. Like I've never called and ordered a, a pizza like, hey, how's it going? Let me get an extra large pepperoni pizza with extra cheese. 
that'd be weird. Um, but when I say <laughs> the Lord be with you, we recognize that we're we're sort of talking about something other than Jesus is everywhere, comma man, which we've already covered. Yeah. All of these things are are connected. And so the reason that we engage with these practices, again, are that they help point to the gospel. They don't point away. They point to. So this is weird because we're we're talking about an an article about church practices and uh, adiaphora. And it was written uh, over against uh, Rome, who was trying to force uh, church practices upon us. Mm-hmm. And and the the reformers were saying, "Hey, no, no, no! You 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 cannot uh, you can't step back and 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 sing kumbaya with Rome and allow this Adi offer to come in because they don't think it's Adi offer, even though that you you do. And in so doing, you're obscuring the gospel and you're hurting the whole issue. Blah 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 blah." But then it sounds the way that you're talking, Pastor Goodman. Uh, now that you, it sounds that you're talking that Adiaphora is, oh, I got answered good. It sounds like you're saying Adiaphora, uh, you have to do it. No. So, so what's the difference here then? I what mean, I'm saying it, is that human traditions, whatever they are, um, are not worship. But they might point. Okay, to so it. hold on. Let's let's just take one because now we're we're talking in the abstract. This all right. Take so let's a, take a real one. So, let's take genuflecting. Perfect. Let's let's take bowing let's, when you go to communion. Good. All right. So when your pastor institutes the Lord's Supper, he might even during the the words of institution bow at certain points or even kneel at certain points. That's called a genuflection when he kneels. Um, that is a human tradition. It never actually commands it in the scripture and it never forbids it. But the question is, what does this teach? Um, the problem comes in when you say you're not actually having real communion unless your pastor takes a knee. When we put human traditions on par with what God commands, that's bad. Because here's the thing about Adiaphora. Adiaphora is not worship. It points to worship. Okay, so so let's say that you uh, you are the pastor who does this sort of genuflecting, and then you've got uh, this whole group of, of uh, influential people, uh, maybe even the, the higher yuckety yucks of the LCMS, who come to you and say, yes, Pastor Harrison, good thing that you're doing it that way, because if you didn't genuflect when you said the words of institution, it wouldn't be the body and blood of Jesus. What would you then do? Week. You would be standing next week. Right. But the problem with these, these discussions, and I think this is where we were kind of leading up to, is most of the time when we start to talk about human traditions, we've sort of confused that and true worship because we've sort of put it all in one pot and stirred it up. And so we can talk about things like contemporary worship and, and attach the word worship to something we would call a, a human tradition, offer. In other words, whether or not there's a praise band or, or, or a chanting, whether or not there's vestments or a polo, we, we say is is completely offer. But when you attach the word worship to it, you've already sort of played your hand and said whatever we're doing is is god's command you cannot you cannot you cannot equate human tradition and divine worship whenever you do that you start to put above god's gifts to you your works and your preferences that's bad that pulls away from jesus if it's truly audio offer it has nothing it, it, it cannot be worship it can only point to or away from worship and if it's truly worship it can't be audio offer it, it can't be. It is God's word and command given to you. Worship is, is receiving the sacrament. Worship is hearing the word, the, 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 the preached word. Worship is the, the prayers, that the prayers, the liturgy that, that God has established and handed down through his church. When, when we talk about these things as if it doesn't matter, 
well, you're, you're taking away from God. And when you're talking about all of the other stuff, the human traditions, what you wear, how you sing, where your hands are folded, where you bow, where you close your eyes, all of that, the stand up, sit down, as if it's somehow on par with the Lord's Supper, you're taking away from the Lord's Supper. That's the point. So, and, but all of these human traditions, they, they can be important, not uh, selfifically, not because they save us, uh, but like you said, if, if they're done, if they were done and instituted properly, then they were all done and instituted for the purpose of helping to teach and preach the gospel. So they're, they were there for a reason. So that's, that's also why the, 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 the Lutheran church fathers, they'll talk about, hey, so when you're going to take away some of these things, uh, you've got to really think about it. And you've got to teach and preach and, and, and explain why you are doing away with these things. Because if you're not doing that, if you just show up one day and, and your church for the last hundred years, has, the pastor has always worn vestments and preached from the pulpit... And you say one Sunday, I'm not going to do that. And you show up in your polo and khakis and you're standing walking around the congregation. That's not going to be helpful at all. Chances are uh, your members aren't going to hear a single word that you say. You're probably going to. You could even preach a phenomenal sermon. But everything that you've just done is going to uh, be detrimental to the, the, the gospel that you're trying to preach. That's not good. Don't do that, right? So in all of these these practices, if you're going to take them away or if you're going to add them, our, our church fathers say, okay, hey, let's, let's spend a lot of time first and foremost saying, okay, am I obscuring the gospel am, or, or am I helping the gospel? Am I pointing more to Jesus or am I pointing less to Jesus? Well, okay, if I am pointing more to Jesus, then either I should keep this particular practice or if I want to institute this particular practice, then I, I need to teach why I'm pointing more to Jesus with it. Good. And so, I mean, what you're saying then is is the word audiophor doesn't just mean do whatever you feel like because it's not in the Bible. It actually No, means, but that's how uh, we take it. Right. And that's so stupid because in all of it, what you're saying is Jesus doesn't matter. It, the whole point of these church practices is they ought to point to Christ. And that also goes along with trying to reestablish old practices that were lost because say somebody um, did come along and say, well, you know, forget the, the pulpit, forget the vestments. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be down here with the people as if God's word is, is not a sacred thing. And that got to be normal. And all of a sudden I want to reintroduce preaching from the pulpit or reintroduce the vestments. Again, that, that has to be coupled with the teaching of why that matters. But the question of should we even bother with this is a, is a yes. Yes, we should and, and, and bother so, with this because we can use it to properly teach. And so we and, should and strive so, for it. Well, yeah, we should strive for it. But but also, like you said, it, it might take you, a, a I don't know, six months before you actually are able to climb back up in that pulpit. That's fine, but but I'm going to have that goal in mind because the, the pulpit is actually not just sort of a place to hold your papers or your iPad, um, but but a place where you might say, this is, where, this is where God speaks. If it's coming from this pulpit, it matters. So don't read the announcements from it. Read the sermon from it um, because this is where God would speak to you through your pastor. Um, 
we want to teach that because, again, the people might come to learn more about their, their Lord through it. The practice really does influence the teaching. And so we should always be striving to sharpen and better our practice. Um, but that, that's always also coupled with, with good teaching. I mean, it has to be. That's what the practices were there for. Yeah. I, that's why, goodness, that's why some, some congregations, some pastors have, have the chasuble. Right, that that big, colorful poncho that that pastors put on uh, during the service of the sacrament, uh, because every single vestment uh, points or should help point to Jesus. It should help obscure the man who is wearing it and saying this isn't about this guy, and it should point to Jesus. And then, uh, amazingly enough, oh goodness, I'm I'm going to put on a, another vestment when I go and. And uh, and do the words of institution. Well, that's just so, because it was cold so, in medieval churches, Pastor. E- either either that or oh, this is really really important, and I want everybody to see Jesus a lot, and so my practice is actually going to be pointing to that. And there was there was no cultural references this time. I'm not even, even going to shoehorn one in there. That's ironic, and the one thing that actually talks about where the culture meets the church. Uh, maybe we should bring that up how (laughs) i don't know (laughs) that is isn't that ironic yeah wow i don't know why that was i just there was nothing no you you didn't say anything funny thanks that that i I could take and run with uh and and shoehorned something in about uh, the 80s and 90s it just just wasn't gonna work yeah oh well all right, so so all in all, um, and I don't know, we're, Pastor Harrison and I, we're, we're kind of looking at each other and we're, we're saying we, we've covered most things. And yeah, we, we could, I guess, keep beating a dead horse. And we're, we like doing that a lot. Um, don't call PETA. Don't call PETA on us. But, and yes, you know what? We could probably go through and, and, and talk about every single thing. Why is the organ better than a guitar? And why is the chasubles better than a polo? And why is white wine, wine better than red wine? We, we could do all of that. And all of those are worth doing. But the, the point is, um, just as an overarching premise, does what you're doing in church point to Jesus or does it point to something else? Does it obscure the gospel or, or does, it, does it promote Christ and him crucified for you? That's that's the one question in all of it. Um, what you're doing always says something. So so be intentional about it, um, and, and don't go monkeying around with it just for the sake of trying to change something to be um, attention getting. Recognize yeah, that it's teaching. And when you look at this article in in the Formula of Concord, <clears throat> they they actually don't address anything uh, specific, and they could. There was a lot of specific things That's that point. that Rome was trying to force upon. Uh, uh, upon the reformers and upon the, the Lutheran Church, and they were trying. It was weird because Rome was trying to do this through through political entities, um, but we don't have to get into that. But they could have talked about all of those in 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 specifics, but they didn't. Their whole argument was, no, what what Rome is trying to do uh, inevitably is obscuring the gospel and, and not pointing to Jesus. It if we. If we institute these practices, uh, we are going to be uh, taking Jesus away from people, and that's bad. and that's 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 bad. And so that's what they that's what they said they, in this article, and they left it as simple as that. 
And, and I think sometimes we should as well. When, when we're looking at church practices, when we're looking at audiophora, we could get lost in the weeds. And some of these conversations are good to be had. But you know what? They're not good to be had with your Methodist neighbor. They're good to be had with pastors talking about them, probably at pastors' conferences. And that, that they can sit down. They can say, hey, why, why do we do the things that we do? But inevitably, we do the things that we do because they point to Jesus. And... And if they're not pointing to Jesus, we should rethink them. Because it's Jesus who saves. It's his cross. It's his gospel. It's his forgiveness of sins. Let's not obscure it. And in all of our human traditions, let's try to point to that as best as we can. Yeah. Sure? Yeah. Maybe? I'm down. Okay. All right, Internet. Are we out? Jesus is good. Jesus is good. Done. Peace.